listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. And I'm a sucker for almost any sort of fictional thing that has to do with the behind the scenes of comedy. I mean, I don't know why. I was never really a comedian per se and never really messed around with that so much. But it's fascinating world that these people who get laughs for a living, so many of them tend to be such angry, disgruntled, addicted, depressed people (laughs) that it kind of makes for a fascinating study. And I think HBO's Hacks, which the two leads for this, the amazing Gene Smart playing a sort of elder Vegas comedian. And then Hannah Einbender, who was a relatively newcomer, who was, I didn't realize that even Lorraine Newman had a daughter that was working in comedy, but she's Lorraine Newman from Saturday Night Live for season's daughter. They're the perfect cast for this because they're both so fucked up. <laughs> and yet somehow together, their fucked upness and even their sourness and their lashing out at each other turns into some sort of weird, sour, sweet combination that leaves you with the biggest smile on your face. Yeah. So you can already tell how I feel about Hacks. <laughs> we never reviewed the first season, I don't think, on the site. I got to say, I was tempted to put this in the Screener Squad suggestions, but I didn't think anybody would go for it because I didn't think this was going to be a thing. But I was like, well, whatever, I'll watch it and I'll like it. But I'm so glad we're here now. But we're reviewing season two, but whatever, season one, season two. <laughs> All right, so this one... A lot of acclaim the first season and a lot of Emmys as well. Golden Globes for Best Television Series, Musical, or Comedy. It got renewed for the second season. And now you watch it and you're like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Are you ending this? Why would you end this after two seasons? I hope they don't. And it seems very unsure. It really does. I've seen interviews with everyone involved. They're like, I don't know. HBO hadn't told us one way or the other. But they're like, well, this wasn't exactly where we originally planned on ending. But to be fair, it's pretty much where we exactly planned on ending. So if they get another season from HBO, it's going to be one of those scramble for an idea of what to do next. I want Deborah Vance to have her own sitcom, like a New Adventures of Old Christine sort of type sitcom. And, and Ava's like the showrunner. That's a good idea. You should be working for HBO, Frank. <laughs> yes, I should. Uh, I'm Chris. That was Frank. Also joining us is Neil. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so are, am I going to go with we are all really big fans of the show? Yeah. Yes, I think season one's a little stronger. Season two, I think, could have used another episode or two, or a slight redirection. It didn't have quite the same magic as season one. The supporting cast really helps. And in season two, we get a couple of eccentric characters on either end of the season. We get Weed in the uh, first part, and then we get the eccentric director that's from our main character's past for a few episodes. So we don't get really get to settle in with them, and then we don't get much of the supporting cast like we did in the first season. But I still thoroughly enjoyed 
season two. And it does feel like they kind of put a pin in it going, we could be done here, but you don't want it to be done here. Let me just say for anyone who's like, I wanted to hear this, but because I don't know anything about it. So Jean Smart is Deborah Vance. She's a legendary Las Vegas stand-up comedian. She's very successful and wealthy from it, but it becomes clear that her act is aging. Even her occasional hookup slash boss of the casino she's had a residency at for a while, Marty, played by Christopher McDonald's, is like, I'm sorry, we're pretty much ready to let you go. Uh, she gets hooked up with a young comedy writer, Ava, played by Hannah Einbender, who made a mistake with a tweet and she got completely canceled and she's like, fuck, what do I do now? Even though I was starting to do well, now no one wants to work with me. Her agent, Jimmy, played by the, the very funny and talented Paul W. Downs. You might know him from Broad City, probably, is the other thing he's facially most recognized from, but a very experienced comedy writer. Gets her a deal being a writer for Deborah Vance. And here's the thing, is like, Ava's kind of terse and snarky and has a hard time, like, filtering herself. And so does Deborah. only Deborah doesn't feel any need to filter herself, because she's the boss. That's age. They're connected because the the agent is for both of them. That's our through line of he's representing both of them. His father had re- represented Deborah first, and he took over, and he was representing Ava, and he's like, this is your last resort. Well, he's also throwing them together because he, these are two clients that are just problems for him. Like, okay, you guys just go together and try to do something. I need this out of my life already. In, in a way, it becomes kind of healing and a growth thing for both of them because Deborah Vance really does need to change her act. It is tired and, and sticky, <laughs> and it's time for her to do something else. And by doing this, the solution is, well, maybe we'll do a more honest act about who you really are as a person, which is sort of established in the first season, she's going to say, fine, fuck it. I'll give up Vegas and I'll go on tour again like I used to and develop this new act with my writer, which leaves a lot of characters floating around on the sides, like Carl Clemens Hopkins as Marcus, who's the COO of her management company. They don't really have a lot to do with him this season because he's back home and basically they're having a thing with him exploring his gayness and like what he wants to do with a relationship. Well, he's having a breakdown. Yeah, but it just feels like kind of attacked on plot because the other main characters are not in Vegas, like, at all for the whole season. I really think that the supporting characters, like Weed and all of them, I feel like they were in there as long as they needed to be. And I love all the supporting characters. I love, I rewatched that Scrabble scene between Marcus's mom and her girlfriend, like, a few times because they're just golden together. Yeah, I really felt like all the supporting characters were just there as long as we needed them to be because, you know, they weren't the focus. And I think if we spent more time with like, with, like following Marcus around, I mean, it would have lost focus of where we needed to be, which is these two women and seeing like how their relationship is continuing, especially after this betrayal that's gone down. I agree. I, th- I think that still the problem of the season is that they were relevant enough in the first season. They felt the need they had to keep them up in the second. And it just felt like they hadn't planned for the second when they may wrote the first season. I agree with Neil, though. I think this is like an episode or two short. Yes. It felt like, oh, okay, we're wrapping up already, but okay. I'll say there's a thing they do with two characters, I think, plays a little too heavy into the absurdly no one can actually be that stupid trope in comedies, which I really drives me crazy when otherwise it's a somewhat realistic show which is first off paul downs jimmy lissick the the manager of deborah and ava has an assistant played by megan stalter named kayla who is the daughter of his boss and so he's kind of forced to dealing with her and she's one of those people you're like no one is actually that stupid and clueless no absolutely but it's it's golden i'm so sorry like it doesn't work for me every time they're together i'm like this is dumb and they try and give them a healing coming together this season that feels so super forced i was like mm. i loved it. it i mean i i agree it's a different tone than some of the other comedic beats here 
but because it is absurd. Because it's this, it's this man's personal hell that he just cannot escape. Even when he quits, he cannot escape this woman that's just following him around. And she is so clueless. I loved it. I agree. It does stick out and it, it builds and builds and builds. But I think the fact that they kept on building it shows that I'm not alone in the fact that the audience is like this dynamic because it is so it's maddening. I love seeing people go mad in comedic situations. Well, it, to the same effect, we get to know Deborah's daughter so much in the first season and she has like a cameo in the second. She's in two episodes, right? And barely. And barely, yeah. I think it's either you decide this is on-the-road buddy comedy of Deborah reconnecting with her original roots and Ava learning what they are, or you kind of keep the supporting cast orbiting around them because it flushes them out. We see Deborah grow because of the slight evolution of the relationship with her daughter again. But they kind of have one foot in two worlds, even three worlds here through the season. Still really enjoyed it, but some things felt like, oh man, just a little bit more there would have been great because you did that in the first season. I think the point is to see Deborah grow rather than all the peripheral characters. Seeing them grow would have been, okay, yeah, that, that's cool, but... I was going to mention DJ as well. I think one of the peripheral characters they introduced this season, Weed, starts off as like, oh, this is going to be interesting, but then she's only really there for kind of a just a one-off joke that's also a, is anybody really this clueless type of joke? I don't know. They play her as this totally broad humor character that doesn't feel re- like a real person. So I'm like, why are they here? I don't know. I mean, it's not they're not funny. It's Laurie Metcalf. She's a you yeah. know amazing comedian, but it didn't work for me either. Now, all that being said, everything else really, really works here. I mean, it's a travel episode. So they're going across the country to various little nightclubs all over the place, having weird experiences. There's a thing where they get booked on a gay cruise, but Deborah doesn't realize it's a lesbian cruise. And she's like... Oh no! Lesbians hate me! We can't do this! It's gay men that love me! And she has to figure out a way to bond with lesbians, uh, which of course ties into the fact that Ava is bisexual, who is totally thrilled about being on this cruise. Because <laughs> gay women all over the place are like, damn girl, what's up? And her act that night on the ship is just like so cringe. Purposely so, but yeah. Even from the beginning, you're like, oh, don't do this. And they're loving it at first, but you're like, you can already tell because of how cringe it is that it's going to go the wrong way. Really bad. She gets thrown a croc. (laughs) Someone throws a croc at her or something. (laughs) Stuff like that. Uh, Nice little guest appearances. Like Devin Sawa has a nice appearance. Margaret Cho. Wayne Newton, who somehow looks exactly the same as he did 30 years ago. I'm pretty convinced they've just replaced him with his Madame Tussaud (laughs) statue and put animal electronics in it science at its finest but i think ultimately you end up with one of the smartest and funniest shows on television for the last two years as much as i'm complaining about those two things literally those two actresses other than that this is top-notch well-written entertainment that not only will make you cringe but will make you tear up and make you laugh really hard and uh in the end i just kind of felt all warm and fuzzy the emotional beats were really really stronger this season i felt because deborah and ava's have that really tense relationship during most of the season when she loses her dad's ashes that moment when she says turn the bus around turn the bus around right now i was like that just got me like that level of humanity that she was showing her i found that just very very touching in the end, like their last scene together, I'm getting emotional now just thinking about it. I thought that was very, very beautiful in a very sort of passing the torch kind of way. These actors have such great chemistry with each other. And it's funny because like the fact that the season starts with there being tons of tension between them is such a manufactured tension from the end of the first season. They're like, okay, we can't 
have them stay as close as they are by the end of the first season because mm-hmm. it's not going to be as funny if there's no conflict. So they introduce <laughs> this very manufactured conflict. It's not that big a deal. It's like, you know, she gets drunk when she gets mad, got mad one day and blabbed to a reporter about Deborah's personal life and it's going to come out and it's going to be a problem. Deborah does find out. From her, Ava tells her the whole truth and then says, you know, they go to think of just punishing her emotionally and then going, it's okay, we'll be friends. I am going to sue you for everything you're worth, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be an educational experience, an expensive one. I mean, it does work. In the end, because it does need that. It does need that period of conflict to once again watch them heal and then become friends again. But it is kind of a repeat from the emotional arc of the first season in some ways. Yeah. They're obviously from different generations, but they've got like, such similar sensibilities in a lot of ways. I love the moments when they're meeting in the middle. I think that's when the show is at its strongest. And, and, you know, and there are plenty of laughs along the way because she's revealing all her Deborah secrets to producers who are going to use this stuff for a potential series and when she's finally revealing this she's like it might not even go to series it might not even go to series. it's like who's going to star in it Helen Mirren of course it's going to series I mean it's like, yeah the balance here between like the more earnest moments and the more comedic ones it's really really well done and I'm not a big fan of Broad City or that movie that Paul Downs and Lucia Aiello or Aniello I don't know her name sorry Rough Night I was not a fan of that. So I seeing this, it's like, wow, this is great. Like every inch of this for my money was great. One of my favorite scenes out of either seasons is in season two, the pool scene where Ava's putting her trust in her. She doesn't know how to swim. She doesn't know how to float. And they're doing this and they're working out a joke they've been stuck on for a while. Mm-hmm. And in just under about two minutes, you get a lot of what these characters are and will be. The trust, but they're still working on the greater purpose. It's those moments in the middle, exactly what you're talking about. That's my favorite scene of the whole two seasons. The series finds this fun way to do that, what they're there for, ostensibly, to write jokes and figure it out and mix that with the emotional content in a way that is very rewarding. Yeah, Ava's trusting her in the water, and Deborah's trusting Ava with taking over the joke and getting the right punchline to it. Why don't you go on into your final thoughts, Neil? I do hope we get more of this. Any of these these characters, I think... These two are so good together, and the show's so well done that when anything else is even half a notch below, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's not a real critique of the show, but they've done so well that we kind of have the bar set really high. But if we don't get more, just watch anything these actors and actresses are in, because it is real top-notch. It feels real. It feels earned. It's enjoyable. Here's this celebrity of decades of success and wealth, but she still feels someone like you can relate to as well. Not this crazy celebrity that you're like, what the fuck is this person? I don't understand it. No, you you get it. You get her at her heart. You get her. I'm going to give the season eight and a half out of ten giant-sized RVs with its own fireplaces. Frank. You know, Neil and I reviewed Mare of Easttown and we were just all about Gene Smart, Gene Smart, Gene Smart and you know I told them that we're in the age of the what's been coined the Gene Smartessence with uh, Watchmen <laughs> and Mare and and now this which is I think the crowning achievement of, of her career. I really do. This is such a great character for her and this not discounting anything like Designing Women or 24 God say 24 but this is really her at her best. She knows this character. She's got it down and I love that this season was different enough. It places them in different situations we have different scenarios we explore deborah's past a bit more every episode is another peeling back the layer on these two main characters i would have liked more of the supporting characters too i would have liked more episodes like neil said at least two more would have been great it it did feel kind of rushed at the end yeah i would have liked more of jimmy and kayla 
more of Robin and Miss Loretta, but at the same time, I think more of them would have meant less time with our two main characters. I wouldn't want that. The drama, the comedy, the authenticity between these two women, it's all there. And there's not a false moment in here for my money. I really do hope we get a third season. So I'm going to give this 9 out of 10 soda machines that you have in your house because legit last week I had a dream that I was in that Deborah Vance house changing out that little like air thing that like <laughs> for the for the soda and I was like and my dream was like how do I know how to do this I used to know someone who had a soda machine in their own house it was pretty cool oh, nice. <laughs> not that expensive to build your own apparently no. I'm not going to be building a soda machine in my house for the record <laughs> um, although I always dreamed of having a keg cooler that someday. would be a really great gathering. Yeah, I think we're all largely on the same page. I think maybe, like, Frank, you, you definitely like some of the supporting characters a little more than I do. I kind of <laughs> wish if they do get a third season, I agree with your idea. Go to, it's a sitcom, she's show running it, they're buttheads on stuff along the way, um, so the conflict is there on that. If you do that, you can literally shed almost all the side characters down to the level of cameos. I'd actually keep DJ and move her up, make her more important again in the story. Because honestly, one of my favorite episodes in the season was the first episode that has Deborah trying to really make her peace with her daughter and kind of successfully doing it. It's a nice little heartwarming ep- slash bloody episode yeah. <laughs> that is really, really cool. That's about all we get of DJ this season. But, you know, I, I could see, especially if it's a show based on Deborah Vance, his life dj having to be involved like she sues to be involved because the actress playing her is like want to make sure she's doing it right or something like that i would love that but there's literally no reason to have a lot of these other characters in here if they keep going and i hope that's kind of the direction that they pick either way if this is it if all we get is these two seasons i'll always go oh man totally worth watching you will not be let down comes to a very emotionally satisfying ending i mean if this is the end that's fine. I just want more because I'm greedy and I love these two actresses working same, together, same. quite frankly. I mean, put them in something else together. It's not even the same story. They're like, uh, they're smugglers in space on a long, <laughs> deep, deep space mission. I don't care. Whatever. Uh, Hacks is fun as hell. I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten blood-covered, bloodthirsty Deborah Vances that you want in your corner. I think that's the single best shot of the whole that season. That was a great it's, shot. 